Hello, I'm Jana Marie, and thank you so much for joining me for the introduction episode of Big Lash Energy. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know me. Not necessarily because we've met in person, but because I'm completely myself, sometimes to a fault, (laughs) on there. I mean, I've posted some pretty cringy stuff that definitely didn't need to be seen, and there have been some times when someone really needed to take my phone away from me. Actually, I remember one time I posted some kind of a juicy story about a date and then I followed it up with a slightly questionable booty pic, I guess you could say. (laughs) And I was scrolling through to see who had looked at my stories and all of a sudden I saw my mom. I didn't even know my mom had Instagram, (laughs) but it was so jarring. It literally felt like, oh my gosh, well, party's over. My mom's here. Sorry, everybody. Go home. Time to pack it up. (laughs) And I remember later I said to my mom, you have Instagram? And she goes, yes, Jana Marie, I have Instagram. I saw what you've been posting. How would you feel if I had pictures like that of myself on the internet? And I said, well, if they were flattering, you know, and you were happy with it, I couldn't really say anything. You're a grown ass adult. If you want to post a booty pic, you can post a booty pic just as long as it's not unflattering, you know, whatever. (laughs) The only thing is the jokes cheekiness, the embarrassing moments, the smart-ass comments, the ex-hating, man-bashing, that's all me jazzed up. That's my highlight reel. That's my highlight reel. But there is a Jaina underneath it all, one without makeup, and she might surprise you. For example, did you know that the reason why I go by my first and middle names, Jaina Marie, is because I don't even know what my last name is? Yeah, you heard me right. I've actually had five last names. So I'm never really sure which one I'm supposed to use. Why is that? Well, my life has been messy. Very messy. Like so messy. (laughs) So this isn't the place to come to if you're looking for perfect. I don't even know anything about perfect and I think it's overrated anyways. I prefer to find beauty in the messiness. It's more interesting to me. I've tried listening to some of those How to Live a Perfect Life podcasts, and God bless those people for making them, but their advice just simply isn't realistic to me. I remember one episode, it was about doing a deep dive into productivity, and they recommended waking up extra early so that you can drink lemon water, stretch, write a to-do list, do a gratitude journal entry, do some sun salutations, charge your crystals, dry brush your body, meditate, make an organic smoothie, and who knows what else? All I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, yes, those absolutely do sound like beneficial things that I should add into my everyday life. I'm totally in. So where exactly do I scan the QR code that uh, gives me five extra hours in the day? (laughs) Back to my mess. I've been through a lot. I've healed from a lot. I've learned a lot. And now my personal mission on this planet is to help as many women as possible. I want to help you heal, recover from heartbreak, love yourself more deeply and unconditionally, live boldly, and love the skin you're in. These are all things I've had to learn myself, and while I'm technically not qualified to give you any kind of professional advice, at the very least, if you're struggling, you can hear my stories, know you're not alone, and know that sunny days might be right around the corner. Oh my gosh, did that seriously just come out of my face? That was so cheesy! Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. (laughs) 
Now here's your favourite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. imagine this episode like our first sleepover as new high school girlfriends. Remember the ones where you turn the lights off, stare up into the darkness, and tell each other all your secrets? Well, that's me today. Maybe once you've heard my story, you can tell me which last name I should be using. (laughs) We can figure this out together. So if you'd like to get cozy, I'd love to share with you the Jaina underneath the makeup, the messiest bits that have been my life, and all the things I'll definitely be talking more about in future episodes. Now please bear with me as I try to cram almost 40 years of fuck-ups and fall-downs into a few short minutes. My mom had me at 19, very shortly after marrying the man who gave me my first last name. I don't use that one because it belongs to the abusive, alcoholic man who's apparently my dad, but I call Frank. I only have a very few memories of him. One was him throwing my mom down some stairs while screaming, and all I kept thinking was, why is he so angry? I also remember one time feeling really, really hungry, And my mom was at work and he was supposed to be watching us and I could not wake him up to feed us anything. I guess he was passed out, either drugs or alcohol or who knows. But my mom later told me that she actually had to leave food for my sister and I down low where we could reach it as like little toddlers because she couldn't count on him to feed us when she was at work. So I also remember walking into the bathroom one time when my mom was crying and she was wiping tears and putting on makeup. I don't know if she was trying to cover something or, or not. Like the, the memory isn't that vivid, but I do distinctly remember her saying, Jaina, never be with a man who makes you cry. When I was little, of course, I didn't realize how young my mom was when she was going through all this. My mom always told me growing up, like, I had you when I was 19. And I always thought, yeah, that's like an adult. I don't so... <laughs> But now that I look back and I can see 19-year-olds and think to myself, like, that was my mom? She was just she was just a baby. But anyways, eventually we had to run away from Frank because it just got to be too much abuse for my mom. So that's when our second last name came in. My mom actually took her maiden name and turned Frank into the family four-letter word. We really were not really ever supposed to bring him up, and understandably so. We lived in low-income housing without any support from him. He never gave us any child support or anything like that. So my mom was really struggling to make it on her own. And I remember being so poor one Christmas that a stranger anonymously left a grocery bag full of gifts on our door. Then my mom was in a car accident. It was actually so bad that she broke her spine and had to learn how to walk again. And that's when my sister and I had to go to Olympia, Washington to live with Frank and his mom. Frank was definitely not suited to take care of us. So we ended up staying, well, kind of being taken care of by her. She lived in a trailer home. She smoked all the time. She was 0% interested in taking care of two little girls. So she would actually give us gravel during the day to keep us tired. And I remember one time it made my sister sick and she threw up into her porridge. And my grandma said we couldn't get up from the table until my sister ate the porridge with her puke in it. It wasn't a good place to be for two little girls. And I remember one day I was getting a ponytail put in my hair and my mom called to check on us and she could hear that I was not doing well. And she said, Jaina, are you okay? 
and I was quiet. And she said, Jaina, if you're not okay, say turtle. And I said, turtle. That night, my grandma drove through the night, my mom's mom drove through the night to Olympia, Washington to bring my sister and I home because she just knew that this was not the place for us. Anyways, a few years went by of us living in our little low-income housing um, situation. We were we were making it work. We had a couple babysitters, and my mom was doing her best to work to pay the bills. And eventually, she ended up reconnecting with a guy she knew from high school. And they fell in love and got married. And that's when my third last name came along. Because my stepdad, who I ended up calling dad... It was actually one of his Father's Day gifts. He was he was Larry for a long time. And then one year on Father's Day, we were like, Mom, can we start calling him Dad? And we were like, hey, Larry, for your Father's Day gift, can we call you Dad? And he started to cry his eyes out. So anyways, uh, yeah, we took his last name. And my mom and dad, they were flipping houses, trying to build their little empire. So we started in a trailer home. And I remember them renovating it, selling it, flipping it, next place, next place. We actually moved 13 times in 10 years. It's a lot. I remember every time we moved in a house, we'd say, are we going to stay here for our Christmas? <laughs> in between taking possession of a place, we would often have to live with my grandma because sometimes the, you know, the possession dates overlapped or whatever. And my grandma had a boyfriend. So he'd come into my bedroom every night. And say that I'd been coughing in my sleep, which of course I would have no idea if I was or wasn't coughing in my sleep. But I do remember as a child thinking like, damn, like I really can't kick this cough. He'd give me medicine and rub my back and then proceed to touch me all over. It turned into regular molestation. In school, we were taught that if a stranger touched you in any of your special places that you were just supposed to say no. But this wasn't a stranger. This was someone who was a part of my family who was supposed to be protecting me. I remember every single cell in my body wanting to say no. In fact, I can still picture myself laying in bed, closing my eyes and screaming no on the inside. But I knew that if I said no, he might go to my sister's room and touch her. So I let him. I believe that this is when my inner warrior was born. I had to try to understand all of this on my own. And there was one time that I finally mustered out the strength. And he said, do you like that? And he had never said anything to me before. He said, do you like that? And it's almost like I channeled every ounce of strength inside of me. And I said, no. But he kept doing it. So that was a lesson that I learned very young about, you know, my own personal space and how little it might matter to other people, but that's for a whole other podcast. I would sign out books about sexual abuse from the library. And I remember one time when I finally told a teacher of mine, she said, try writing poetry. Now, because of the stress that I had at home that my parents had no idea about, I was so wrapped up in my school. I was such an overachiever. So I wrote poetry and I still remember one poem that I wrote It said, um, sinking, falling, drowning in his sin over and over and over again, haunting my thoughts till the day that I die like a shadow, never leaving, even though I don't know why. My tears are still falling. My eyes are still red. I keep thinking about all the things I should have said. But for now, I'll just lie here alone inside my bed, 
with all these grown-up thoughts going through a little girl's head. I think I was 11 or 12 when I wrote that. Anyways, I eventually told my mom and dad on a camping trip and they told my grandma and she was devastated and she she kicked him out of the house, but I don't think anybody really knew what to do next. So I never got any counseling or any therapy. I just had to really deal with it myself. And as I grew up and started dating or having crushes on boys, I guess, it started to be weird because I had to I had to think of being touched as a positive thing. And I remember like making out with my, you know, my first boyfriend. And when the lights were off, I would just have these crazy flashbacks and imagine that it was my grandma's boyfriend. So I went through some serious trauma with that. But once I hit my grad year, I was so excited to be an adult and move out. So I ended up getting engaged to the boyfriend that I went to grad with. He was five years older than me. So to him, he felt ready. I 100% did not think I was ready. But when you're little, you're never really taught that maybe one day someone might propose to you and it won't be the best day of your life. Like we were always taught or, you know, in the movies and the Disney movies, it was like, that's your parents charming. Like this is the best moment ever. So I kind of knew it wasn't right. But I thought if I say no, like, do we break up? I don't know if I want that. So anyways, I said yes. My parents were definitely not thrilled, but they were always, you know, supportive of the things that um, that I wanted. And I was such a headstrong person. So there was no point going against it. So we started making the plans for the wedding. We were putting deposits down and everything. And then two months before the wedding, my fiance cheated on me. Oh my goodness. I was so embarrassed. Uh, my parents, I think were low-key happy because they wanted an excuse for this to not happen. And in fact, my mom was so intense about not wanting me to get back together with him that she told me that maybe I should find a job out of the country and go work in Mexico. My parents had gone to an all-inclusive and there they had met like the actresses and the actors who perform each night in the shows and one of them was Canadian and my mom was like, Jane, I think you really need to do this because I was really involved in acting. So I did it. I emailed a whole bunch of resorts. Next thing you knew, two days later, I was flying to Cancun. I didn't even know where Cancun was on a map at the time. I just landed. My my flight landed late, so my ride from the airport wasn't there waiting for me anymore. So I just stood in the Cancun airport, not knowing like more than five words of Spanish, not knowing where the resort was in relation to the airport, just thinking, what the fuck do I do now? And I didn't have a, you know, an iPhone to pop my mom a text. This was, you know, a long, long time ago. And, um, so I just stood there and finally this Mexican man said, are you okay? And I said, no, I need to go to this resort and I don't know how. And he said, well, just get in my truck and I'll give you a ride. Next thing you know, I'm in this rickety freaking Chevy truck bumping along on my way to who knows where. And his truck broke down and he left me and his son in the truck on the side of the road and just left us there. And his son was flipping through my Spanish translation book and found a page where it said, can I take you out dancing? I said, no. Oh my goodness. And the man came back with a big jug of water, dumped it all over his engine, which I guess had overheated. And then we just kept on driving. And thankfully, thankfully, they were good quality people who made sure that I got where I was supposed to go. But that's just one of the many times I probably could have, you know, disappeared. No one would have ever heard from me again. So anyways, I got this job at the resort. I was performing on stage on every night and I, I did like I did like that, although it was exhausting. But I ended up having a little crushy poo on a guy who worked at the resort who was handsome and talented, but also the cocaine dealer and also the same age as my dad. Um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna notice that I have 
I've had really great taste in men. (laughs) So anyways, he was selling drugs to the guests at the hotel, which was fine because he had extra money to, you know, take me out for dinner because I was making no money working in this job. But eventually the hotel caught on to what he was doing and they kicked him out. And so he and I ended up going to live in a cockroach infested motel above a Mexican strip club called Chili Willies. Like when I'm even saying this out loud right now, I'm sitting here like, this was really my life. I mean, it feels like I've had nine lives and this is just this is just one of them. But yeah, this this is real. So I never did the drugs, but I did help him beg them a couple nights when he needed help. Um, but let me tell you that baby Jaina was so very close to ending up in a Mexican prison, never to be heard from again. Like, don't forget, like I said, this was long before the days of FaceTime and instant messages. My parents would only hear from me like every couple of weeks when I'd call collect from a payphone. Remember those? Can you only imagine how expensive their phone bills were? But anyways, eventually things with Flavio, my Spanish boyfriend, got too messy. As much as I love messes, this got a little too messy. He actually had a conversation with me one day where he said, Jaina, I keep doing my drugs because I have them on me. But if I give them to you, then I won't have them to use and you could just give me the amount that I need to sell. And I was thinking, I don't, I, this might not go well for me, but if this is what I need to do to protect him or help him, if this is what's best for his health, I, I don't know. Well, thankfully, The very next day, that ex who cheated on me showed up at the resort in a Honda Civic. He'd driven all the way from Canada to bring me home. He said, I screwed up. I want to be with you, please. I'll marry you right now on the beach if I can. Like, please just take me back. And I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't know that I'm ready to be with you, but I do know that I can't be here because if I stay in Mexico much longer, it's going to be no bueno. (laughs) So I decided to go home with him and... We actually ended up driving a Honda Civic back from Mexico to Canada, but on the way, we got hit by a hurricane. I have pictures of us standing in a gas station with water up to our knees, trying to pump gas. There was a moment when I was having to bail water out of the inside of the car. Like I cannot express how scary this was because there's no tow trucks, no BCAA, nobody's coming to save you if your car essentially drowns on the lake that is the road you were driving on. Like this, it was insane being in the Mexican jungle, complete darkness in that much water. It was wild. We also drove through back up through Texas through a heat wave. So imagine this completely soaking wet car now in a heat wave. We couldn't afford a hotel. So we were sleeping in that car and arguing the whole way about why did he cheat on me and this and that and that. And when I showed up home to my mom, who definitely didn't want to see me home with him, I smelled so bad (laughs) because I'd been sleeping, not showering in a moldy car. Oh my gosh, was it ever disgusting. But when we got home, he promised he'd changed. He promised he'd changed. And I married him against my parents' wishes because I was 20 and I knew everything. So enter my fourth last name. Now, this man had terrible anger issues, and when he and I, after we got married, we actually moved to Vancouver from Kelowna by ourselves, so I didn't have anybody else in the city except for him. So I put a lot of pressure on the relationship, plus I was going to makeup school, and he was in business school. We had a lot of stress, for sure, but he had crazy anger issues. I was constantly living in fear. 
Eventually, we got in a fight where he got so mad, he was throwing things at me and shaking me in my bed, and I was convinced he was going to hurt me so badly. So I went to work the next day, and while I was there, I decided to tell him that we needed some time to cool off before I came home because I was afraid of him. I had nowhere to go, so I reached out to a photographer I'd done one photo shoot with and said, can I stay with you? And he and his wife happily welcomed me into their home with open arms. I It was literally the second time I'd met them. And I stayed there for a couple days. But eventually, my my husband was not calming down. He was losing his mind about me not being home, and I was still afraid. So I thought, okay, while he's at work, I'm going to run home, and I'm just going to grab a bit more clothes because I'd been living in their clothes And when I got to my house, it had only been, I think, three days after I'd left. He'd already changed the locks on the door. So after seven years of being with him, we ended up getting divorced. And being divorced was devastating for me. I felt like a total failure. In my mind, I'd stood in front of everyone I knew and promised to be with someone for life. And I take my word seriously, but I hadn't kept my word. I also hated that my parents had been right about him. You know how that feels? Like, ugh, I love proving people wrong. I I tried to keep my life as busy as possible to distract myself from the pain, but if there was ever a moment where I was alone with my thoughts, I was crying my eyes out. I was broken. I was trying my best to start my bridal hair and makeup business in the middle of going through a divorce. It was It was messy, so messy. He even took over my email account at one time so I couldn't contact my brides. It was just so messy. I lost everything in this relationship. He kept the house, he kept the furniture, the car, everything. Even our dogs because he told me I wouldn't be able to feed myself, so how could I feed a dog? I lost everything, but part of me was fine with it because the peace of not having to deal with him anymore felt worth it to me. It was just a hard pill to swallow knowing that I was a divorcee at like 25 and I had no idea what my future looked like now because I'd spent seven years thinking it would be with him. So time went by. I I was building up my clientele. I did some cool work. I worked with Lady Gaga. I was just trying to focus and, you know, slowly build my, buy myself some furniture and pay bills from on my own for the first time. And eventually I met someone else. So now the second time I got married, enter my fifth last name. It was to a porn producer. Yes, that's right. I married a porn producer. He was a family man. He was full of surprises. And I just kind of told myself, well, he's in business like I am. It just happens to be porn. And I was trying to support him. He wanted to have a family. And I said, well, one day you're going to have kids who are going to ask you what you do for work and you might want to tell them something different. So if you want to start, you know, on the path to trying to, you know, find a different job for yourself, I'll support us, you know? So I was working hard at my wedding business so that I could pay all the bills and he could start a new business. But his love of partying overshadowed his love for me. And I spent most nights alone while he was at the nightclubs. I didn't want to fight anymore. I was too tired from my first marriage. So instead of being mad about it, I tried focusing on making sure our time together was as good as possible. But eventually, I'd had enough of being alone, wondering why I wasn't enough, wondering if I wasn't pretty enough, wondering what was wrong with me that he didn't want to be around me. So I told him I wanted to make the relationship better. I sent him a really beautifully written letter while I was doing a wedding in Mexico and just said, I don't care what it takes. I don't even care if you're sleeping with somebody else. Let's just fix this marriage so we can we can be awesome together. But instead of agreeing with me, 
He left while I was in Mexico and I came home to find out that he was gone. After seven years of being together, I was single again. And then to save face, he told all our friends and family that I cheated on him. Now that marriage almost never even happened to begin with because on the day of our wedding, the hotel I was getting ready in ended up being held hostage by a man with a gun. I'm not even kidding. Not every bride gets to be on the six o'clock news all across Canada. I mean, I guess that's like a mini claim to fame, but really I just should have known that we probably weren't meant to be together and maybe this was a giant red flag. But as you can probably tell from hearing my story up to this point, I'm pretty bad at seeing the signs. (laughs) So that's five last names. My birth last name, my mom's maiden name, my stepdad's last name, my first husband, my second husband. Have you chosen a favorite yet? Because <laughs> we're not even done yet. Oh my goodness. After that relationship ended, I moved into the dating world. And things didn't get much easier for me, unfortunately. <laughs> At one point, I was assaulted. And then later cyberbullied by tens of thousands of people when a video of me out for lunch with a married man who told me he was single went viral. This is when I had to see the ugly side of social media. Despite only having had lunch with this guy, thousands of people from all around the world called me a homewrecker. Some said terrible things like I deserve to die alone or they hoped that I'd get AIDS. It was disgusting. It gave me the most horrible anxiety too because everywhere I went, I was wondering if the people were looking at me because they'd seen the video or heard the rumors. I don't wish that upon anyone. Shortly after that, I fell in love with a man I was absolutely crazy about. And despite being long distance, he lived in Chicago, we decided we wanted a family. I didn't even know how it was going to work out. I hadn't even wanted a family anytime before this. I just knew that I loved him that much. And no matter what it looked like, (laughs) if it meant I had to move to Chicago, no matter what it looked like, I just wanted this with him. So we ended up losing our first baby, which was devastating to both of us. And we ended up getting her name tattooed on each of our hands So the second time we got pregnant, I was over the moon excited, but also terrified. He actually went back home to Chicago the day after we found out I was pregnant. So I had to spend the whole first trimester on my own, trying to work a very busy wedding season while exhausted. Then the day before he was supposed to come to be with me and the day before our ultrasound, I miscarried. I was four and a half months along and all by myself in my condo. The only saving grace was that he was supposed to be coming to visit me the next day. And wow, I needed him to hold me so badly. But instead of getting on the plane to come visit, he broke up with me. I lost the man that I loved, my baby, the prospect of being a mother, and the future I was so looking forward to all in one text message. My condo had also just flooded the week before, so my home was in shambles. The furniture was outside, the flooring was ripped out, my baby was in a glass beside the sink because I didn't know what to do with it, and my heart was officially broken. I couldn't think of a worse situation. That is until I found out that he'd been living with another woman our entire relationship. That heartbreak was a real bitch to heal from. I remember writing letters to myself, to him, to God, 
crying so hard that it hurt, lighting candles and praying that God would take the pain away? Have you ever had your heart broken so bad that it physically hurts? I hope you haven't. But it's very hard to come back from. Honestly, at this point in my life, I felt like I had nothing. But the only good thing about having your life in absolute shambles, starting from ground zero, is that you have the ability to rebuild. And when you rebuild, you can create a life that looks and feels exactly how you want it to. I decided to focus on the lessons that I learned and the blessings that I still had in my life. I turned my attention to the people who'd been loving me all along. You know, instead of focusing on whoever's leaving you, why not focus on who's been by your side? My family, my friends, my clients, myself. I'd been putting so much energy into all these relationships with stupid men my whole life, and I hadn't been feeding into me. I asked myself, where could I be if I invested all this time and energy I'd put into other people into myself? I went to therapy. I read books. I worked out. I cried. I cried. Oh my Lord, did I cry. I wrote letters. I listened to sad music. I listened to happy music. I did all the things, but eventually I healed. Now my life is so much better. Not having relationship stress means having all that energy left over for much more useful things. Growing my business, being a better makeup artist, being a better friend, a better daughter, a better sister, being a better businesswoman, even starting this podcast. The road to healing has not been easy. With every loss, every heartbreak, I was left licking my wounds alone, trying to pick up the pieces and asking myself, why me? Someone once told me that God gives his hardest battles to his strongest warriors. And while I realized that that was some sort of a strange compliment, and I do pride myself in being very strong, at some point I was so done with being one of God's strongest warriors. It's a position I don't remember applying for either. (laughs) Throughout my life, no matter what I was going through, anyone who heard even a part of my story would say, well, Jaina, you're strong. If anyone can handle it, it's you. Well... I was so fucking tired of being strong. Have you ever felt that way? I was a wounded soldier who'd get knocked down again and again as soon as I'd finally found enough strength to stand up. Not to mention, no matter what I was going through, I was still that overachiever, trying to show up as my best self for my clients, my friends, and my family. I never missed a single day of work, no matter what I was going through. It was exhausting. But you know what? I wouldn't take any of it back. Although my life has been wild and crazy, I've always believed that in order to love who we are, we can't hate all the things that made us that way. And I'm very happy with the woman that I am today. Here, I plan on sharing more details about these stories I've just touched on. Also, hilarious dates, cheeky interviews, as well as beautiful and inspiring stories from other women who've bumped along life like I have. So what is Big Lush Energy? Well, it's standing with your head held high, a proud representation of all of your mistakes, seeing your failures as opportunities for growth. It's loving who you are, the body that you're in, and knowing that your beauty is so much more than the way you look. It's all that you represent, and it's everything that you've been through. 
It's flipping two big fat middle fingers to anyone who doubts you and knowing with full fucking confidence that no matter where you are right now, no matter how messy it might be, it's exactly where you're supposed to be. Once someone very close to me said, wow, baby girl, you don't look like all the things you've been through. And that to me is big lash energy. The reason I'm so excited about this podcast is because I feel like I have a message to tell the world. And I'm hoping that this will be a safe place for the tribe who needs to hear it. If my story resonated with you, or if you think that you have a friend who might need to hear a little bit about this and learn a bit about Big Lash Energy, then please, can you share this podcast with them? I can't start this movement by myself. I need you. So please, go be your most fabulous you and spread that badass Big Lash Energy everywhere you go. Now, I've decided since I've told this story to you, maybe last names are overrated. I'm going to sign this intro episode off as Jaina Mother Freaking Marie, who needs a last name. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Damn, Jaina, would you fit me in if you can? Damn, Jaina, I know you're the one with the plan. Damn, Jaina, there's no time to waste what you make. Damn, Jaina, could you make me up right now?